You're listening to Dental Talk from VivaLearning.com. Today we'll be discussing the benefits of using biocompatible bioceramic cements and how it works. Our guest is Dr. Todd Snyder, a popular speaker on VivaLearning.com. Dr. Snyder has a huge following on social media. He's a cosmetic dentist, author, international lecturer, researcher, and instructor at various teaching facilities. You can also reach Dr. Snyder's training site if you want to check that out at www.legionpride.com. That's L-E-G-I-O-N, pride, P-R-I-D-E.com. Dr. Snyder, it's a pleasure to have you on Dental Talk. Oh, thanks for having me on, Philip. appreciate it. So you're a pretty busy guy. You've got a lot going on, and congratulations on your huge social media following. You're what's now considered an influencer, whether you know it or not. So, uh, <laughs> you know, that's 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 the cool thing, to be an influencer. Um, I, yeah, I, I never you, thought I'd get there. Yeah, you never thought you'd get there. The only people I influence <laughs> are my three cats, sometimes my wife, and sometimes my two kids. But uh, that's about it. All right. But anyway, um, hopefully I'm influencing some people on this podcast. That'd be nice. So, I agree. I look forward to it. Yeah. So um, we're talking about biocompatible bioceramic cements. So let's begin with a simple question. What benefits do you see using a biocompatible bioceramic cement? You know, I think a lot of people obviously use or have used some type of glass honor or base cement in the past where they had good retention and, and where the, the protocol allowed for that to be used compared to like, let's say our resin cements. And with, you know, with all of technology, whether it be cars, you know, iPhones, computers, everything continues to advance with technology. Well, the Swedish government took about 11 years to develop a pretty amazing, and in my mind, the first um, biocompatible bioceramic cement. And so why would I use that is because it gives me the same advantages of a glass anomer, but it gives me more on top of that. So again, a newer technology. It allows me to do many more things that you couldn't do with any material that we had previously. And what's the key things that it does over and beyond glass anomer? Well, it's it's interesting you say that. There's a lot of research that's been done behind this, which they've actually shown that they could propagate out uh, hydroxyapatite, which there's very few materials out there that can do that. In addition, the histology behind taking a cement and putting it on pulpal tissues directly, typically you're going to see some type of histological problem or change within the the cell structure of the tissues, you know, being affected. They didn't find any change in pulpal tissues. They also didn't find any change or damage in periodontal tissues. So you've got a product potentially that is kinder than anything we've had as far as a cement on periodontal tissues as well as pulpal tissues. That is a big breakthrough, but you're not suggesting that we use this cement directly on a pulp exposure. You know, that's a good one. I don't think they have any kind of FDA clearance for that at this point that I know of. Uh, so yeah, I'm not saying do that, but they did that through the testing um, that they had published. You know, it's, it's published, uh, they had the one year and three year data on it. it yeah. It's not considered a pulp capping material, it's considered a cement. Right. That's amazing that a cement can be so biocompatible that in the case you have an undetected pulp exposure, you know, you could actually get therapeutic activity behind the scenes and it also serves as a cement. I mean, not too many cements do that, right? Right. Yeah. You know, normally if you put down a resin and you can see a pink blush from the pulpal tissues, there's a chance you may have some problems. And so maybe you put down some type of barrier material, or if you're using a, a resin modified glass onomer, uh, you know, you can have the acidity that's in its initial placement with an RMGI that would create sensitivity and potentially 
cause some type of damage to pulpal tissues. This material doesn't have that. So you have a, a very great benefit by placing that in preparation designs that are close to pulpal tissue, but also the ability to cre uh, create hydroxyapatite to help create what we always think of as bridging in our, under our fillings and stuff to do dentin bridging, to actually have that occur over pulpal tissues or deeper areas, as well as its ability to, to formulate that at the margin to help seal restorations. So how does this cement work with zirconia crowns? Yeah, you know, we probably all have used some type of resin. And, you know, if you're going to use a resin cement, you got to use a scavenger to clean off the phosphates from the saliva off of the zirconia when you do your try-in. And then you have to go in typically with some type of ceramic primer uh, or silane type of material. And then you can finally go in with your resins. And then on the tooth structure, you know, whether it's a direct resin of the tooth, using a self-etching system or whether you etch the tooth and use bonding agents. I mean, there's a lot of steps with resins that oftentimes don't work as well as we would like. You know, there's a, a lot of different technique issues there. And then you look at, you know, something like a glass outomer, which does a great job of adhesion to the tooth, but, you know, it doesn't have an incredible interaction, let's say, with zirconia. Uh, and then you look at, you know, calcium, uh, calcium aluminate-based cements, which, you know, looking at bioceramics, uh, they have a rather interesting adhesion case capability in that they're, well, I shouldn't say all of them. The, the one in particular I'm, I'm talking about that I use most regularly is Doxa's Ceramere. And so the Ceramere is basically a glass onomer cement that, you know, kind of like what we were used to talking about is glass onomer cements, but it's powered with calcium aluminate, which it utilizes both the glass onomer binding and the calcium aluminate precipitate reaction to form a tight bond with the zirconia such that they actually get a chemical bond to zirconia. Uh, so they get, a, they get a binding to the zirconia, much like we see with MDP, which is a chemical we talk about quite regularly in resin adhesives. So the dissolved calcium aluminate contains anionic sites that can form ionic bonds with zirconia cations that are present on the zirconia surface. So the alumina anions bind ionically with the zirconia and with the introduction of the calcium aluminate crystals growing on it, they create this nanoparticle adhesion. Uh, and the fact that you can utilize phosphates from saliva that are coated on the zirconia after trying it in, those help the adhesive process. You don't have to clean things off and use scavengers and things. So a very unique approach to chemically adhering to something and making it as easy as possible for the clinician. Yeah, so how many steps are you saving there by not using the typical cement where you have to remove that uh, interfering layer that you talked about? Yeah, well, you know, just cleaning the zirconia, you know, there's one step to clean it and there's another step potentially to prime it. Uh, so right there is potentially two, depending on, again, what type of cement materials you're using. Uh, and then if you take it to the tooth, you know, if you're using various types of resin adhesives there, there's another one or two steps. So depending on what system you're looking at, it may save you one step to four or five steps. Yeah, that's pretty significant. And that seems like you can get a fairly quick return on investment on the cement. I don't know what the prices uh, compare to the typical resin modified glass onomer cements or resin based cements. Um, you know, I haven't priced it out myself, but I would say, yeah, as far as all the extra steps and time and different products that you have to acquire and utilize, I would say from, from that sense that it's probably cheaper. Yeah, not and, and not only that, as you go into more steps, there's more room for error and more room for error could lead to a crown coming off, which is certainly going to cost more money and reduce yeah. patient satisfaction. Um, as far as the preps themselves, what do you do to treat the preps? Do you have to do anything specific when using a bioceramic cement? 
You know, it's not really much different than typical glass outermer cements. Uh, you know, you want to have good preparation design, you know, good axial wall height, uh, a good taper to your preparation design. Uh, it's not like uh, resins where we use resins on veneers and we can just you know, adhere something straight to the front of a tooth. You know, that's that's contraindicated for the bioceramic cement. So you want to have a good preparation design for your, you know, your crowns, your inlays and whatnot. Um, and by having that, that helps, you know, obviously hold the crown on, which we've learned, you know, going back to GV Black principles. Mm -hmm. But as far as the tooth structure, the tooth actually needs to stay a little moist, same as when you're doing glass outermers. And so uh, you don't want to desiccate and dry the tooth. You actually want some of that moisture left behind because that water actually is part of the process of adhesion. So uh, it's, it's really straightforward. If you were to take the temporary off, clean off temporary cement, you can then clean the tooth with some non-fluoridated you know, pumice, or you can take an air abrasion unit, or you know, some people just go in and wipe the tooth off and go right in and cement. Uh, so it, it kind of depends on which aspect you want to go after as far as cleaning things, but it, it's really straightforward. There's not much required. Mm -hmm. So I know it's got to be, I don't know, eight to 10 years ago, probably in that range. I heard about Ceramir. And I thought, my God, why is this company coming to the U.S. to introduce another cement? I mean, you have the 3Ms of the world and Densply and all these tremendous companies that have tremendous marketing capabilities. And this one kind of a one product company showed up um, and it took a little while, but they really are making headway with KOLs like yourself, uh, lots of dentists across the country using it. What are you seeing as the feedback overall with the results? You know, anecdotally, from what I've seen, just lecturing and from personal use, I think it's phenomenal. You know, I'm, I'm usually someone's going to take multiple steps to try and make everything as perfect as possible. So for someone to come out and say, you know, here's a product that's quick and easy to use. Usually I'm one of the guys that's like, yeah, I don't think so. Right. Um, but it is interesting because, again, I said earlier, the Swedish government helped to develop this product for, you know, 11 year time period. And the research papers behind this are phenomenal. And... Uh, so you look at something and go, okay, well, it has the ability to, again, seal the tooth in a different way than ever before. It can fight off cavities. Um, to some extent, it can self-seal. Uh, it has so many benefits and it's so simple. And should, let's say, a crown come off, you actually have stronger tooth structure underneath from just having been exposed to it. Um, and so, yeah, you go like, wow, this, is, this sounds too good to be true. And the fact that a company goes, you know what, we're going to make one product. We're just going to make a cement and bring it to market. I mean, who does that, right? right? But they knew they had something phenomenal. And so that's what they came with. And they've done quite well, obviously. And so what I've heard is, is great things from any, anyone that I've pretty much talked to about it. And in lectures, I've had a few people actually comment and say, hey, you know what? Uh, I had a couple failures with it. And I was like, okay, great. Tell me, you know, what happened? Why'd you get a couple failures? And I said, walk me through the process. And I'm like, well, I dried the tooth off and I used the cement. I held it in place. And I said, okay, let's back up. I said, so you said you dried the tooth off. You dried it real well? They're like, yeah. I'm like, okay, so you dried it real well, and then you put the cement on, and then did you hold it? And they're like, you know, I had them bite down, or I held it for a minute or so. Because, again, like anything, you got to follow instructions. So first of all, the tooth has to be moist, and so you don't want to desiccate it. Second thing is you got to hold it in place for three minutes. So if you're holding it with your hand for three minutes, that's great. If you have a patient biting on a cotton roll, you need to make sure they're not moving. Because sometimes people will talk when they got a cotton roll in there, and now you've got things kind of percolating. Uh, so if you think of Think of like, uh, you know, concrete setting up, you know, you want to leave it untouched and basically allowing it to set up on its own. And uh, if it's being jostled or moved or someone's touching, it just doesn't, you know, it doesn't set up the same. 
So if someone's following the protocol, it's phenomenal. But all of us as dentists, we have little things that we shortcut or change versus what the manufacturer's instructions are. And like anything, we can find failure with any product out there. Right. Um, right. But you know, for the most part, I, I hear everyone saying, man, you're right. This stuff is too good to be true. It's easy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, that explains why they came here with one product. Dave. I know, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, well, I mean, overall, so the doctor that had that problem with it over-desiccated the tooth. Yeah. Other than that mistake, it has way less steps if, you know, it's basically as simple as it gets. It's it's very similar, like you said, to glass onomer. Overall, as you reduce the number of steps, it becomes less technique sensitive and the room for error obviously will go down. So um, exactly. follow the simple instructions and and see what happens. But apparently the results have been very good. My last question before we wrap up this podcast, and it's been very interesting, Dr. Snyder, to have you on the show. Does bioceramic cement work on implants very well? Yeah. You know, um, where we worry about peri-implantitis from resin cements being left behind, and you know, depending on what le- literature you want to read, there's a lot of research that shows that resins absorb moisture and absorb bacteria, and they degrade because of that. So when we talk about putting resins underneath the gum tissues for raising crown margins, whether it's putting resins down for cementation due to the angulation of an implant, you know, there's a lot of concerns about putting those down there and getting things cleaned up properly and maintaining things. So then you go, okay, well, if I can't do that, then what else do I have? And so you go, okay, well, I've got glass anomers, which depending on the the shape of the abutment and the crown retention, you know, that could potentially work. But then you go, okay, well, if it's under the gum line, is there still some type of irritation of the tissues? And going back to what we talked about earlier, the fact that you get no histological change from the ceramere on periodontal tissues as well as pulpal tissues makes it quite interesting. Uh, In addition, because basically it's superficial layer of, of the ceramere cement, hydroxyapatite grows on the surface of the cement. So where you have it maybe in a sulcus, and it's exposed to saliva, you get a hydroxyapatite coating on that cement layer. And now the gum tissues realize that, you know, this is something they're around all the time. It doesn't bother them. There's no inflammation. There's no uh, risk of damage and periimplantitis. So it's been quite interesting to see what's been happening uh, through their research and with time watching this material being used as a, an implant cement. Yeah, no doubt. And the way you explained that was actually very, very clear and easy to understand. I actually visualized the cement in the sulcus and and that hydroxyapatite forming and the tissue recognizing it as not a foreign body, which um, obviously is going to decrease the chance from a severe periimplantitis. It's all about biocompatibility. That's the key word right now. And uh, Ceramir has the right product to meet that biocompatible criteria that doctors are looking for. Dr. Snyder, it's been a pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you very much. For those of you who want to learn more, you can always go to Ceramir. Just Google it, C-E-R-A-M-I-R, that's Ceramir by Doxa, D-O-X-A. And Dr. Snyder has his website at legionpride.com. Legion Pride is L-E-G-I-O-N, N is in Nancy, pride, P-R-I-D-E.com. And you can learn about Dr. Snyder's incredible training programs that he offers. Dr. Snyder, it's been great having you on the show, and we look forward to having you on more podcasts and webinars soon. Thanks so much, Philip. I appreciate it. I had a great time. I hope it was beneficial to the listeners out there.